Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of This Is this Six. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, y'all. How is everybody doing? It's been a week. Yeah, yeah I'm doing. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm, I would like to be doing something, but besides, you know. Work is work is work. But we're here. We are. We're are. Nice to be here. All right. Well, I was thinking, um, I've been thinking about this for a little while, um, and I think it's something that we should talk about. So I've gotten a couple of questions from patients of mine about puberty and about kind of a little bit more detail about what it is, but also when to start talking to their children about it um, Mm -hmm. and kind of how to approach that. And I thought it was a really good topic for us to talk about. Um, We got a teen summit coming up so we can address a lot of things um, surrounding that. I think that, I think it's a good thing to discuss so that for those listeners who have, you know, younger preteen children, they kind of know what to expect and how to, kind of start having those conversations because I think, right, like we've said before, a lot of our sex education starts when our, starts with our children and when they're young. And that starts with the changes that happen with their body. What y'all think? I, girl, I completely agree with that. I, I think that um, parents need to realize that everybody physical and everybody person goes through puberty differently. Um, there are some common themes, obviously, you know, but, uh, we need to become comfortable having those conversations sooner than later mm-hmm. and sure that they are age appropriate. And it's an ongoing conversation, not just a one and done conversation. Mm-hmm. So let me ask the balance A, what was the conversation your parents had with you about puberty? Ooh, good like, do you remember, like, do you remember Hmm. It, it or your mama your cousin your aunt, whoever what was the conversation about do you did you have one I, I I remember two distinct conversations about puberty one was my mom handed me a couple of training bras and said you know my breasts starting to grow and show and you put those on and wear them every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've shared before but you know, when I was a teenager, it was before uh, texting was a thing. And so we used to write letters. And my mom found a letter from my best friend where we were talking about um, our sexual doing activity. It. Say that again. Doing it. <laughs> doing it nasty. <laughs> and my mom was like, you know, you out there having sex now. Um, you know, I was a teen mom. Don't bring no babies in here. You have your physical next week. And um, you need to decide which kind of birth control you want to be on. You can talk about it with Dr. Snyder. And uh, that was all the conversation we had <laughs> about puberty in my house. That's <laughs> pretty Dr. much it. Dr. J, what about you? What, what was your, do you remember your conversation about puberty? So, you know, it's interesting. I too had two very similar conversations. The first one was, you know, I had two older brothers. um, And so I wanted to do everything they did. And I remember sitting on the porch without a shirt on regularly in the summertime, you know, you go hang out, you sit. And I remember at one point, my dad was like, you can't do that anymore. And I was like, well, they don't have to wear no shirt. Why Why do I have to wear a shirt? And he was just like, Go talk to your mother about it. You can't sit out here with a shirt without a shirt on. 
So my mom, you know, was just like, oh, well, you know, you're starting to develop and this is when your body's going to start looking different from the boys. And so you, you have to wear a shirt. And then the second one was um, going into, I want to say going into like seventh or eighth grade, I believe it was eighth grade and my period starting and my mom, you know, had already talked to me about sanitary napkins or pads or whatever. And she was a hundred percent against tampons, you know, and the oh, fear. That's a good one. And she gave me a mattress. <laughs> she used to be underwear. And I was like, that had to be the most uncomfortable conversation that we had and at the time you know I'm running track and doing stuff and everybody could see the fact that I had this damn mattress on you know (laughs) mortifying and embarrassing all at the same time so um she was you know she did the best she could in conversation but um I I definitely had a different conversation with my girls so what about you, Dr. Clay? See, it's interesting. Y'all have these distinct conversations. I had, I, 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 rem- I remember having the, the characteristic, very classic black mama conversation, which I remember being like, mom, I'm bleeding, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Like something's wrong. And she was like, okay, you're not dying. Don't bring children home. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, I don't even know. Like we discussed Maybe. hygiene and stuff, but I don't even know that we had a, this is why your body should, none of that. It was like, oh, you're bleeding, which now means that you can bring a baby home. So don't. What? You know what? Y'all was like, furthest part from my conversation was, and maybe because I was such a nerd and so dorky or whatever that she was just like, ain't nobody going to be trying to get it with you. I don't know. <laughs> the, the no conversation happen until I was in high school when one of my contemporary peers actually got pregnant mm-hmm. friend in high school and then mm-hmm. did we have conversation because that's when you know girls would talk about their calendar pills and I was very naive and was like what is that you what you take a pill on like I didn't get with that 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 was birth control yeah, you know, as you all were, were sharing, I thought of, of two more things. And one was, I remember when I started my period, like all my mom's friends knew, you know, it was a thing like she didn't talk to me, but clearly she must call all of them because they were like, mm, okay, you're a little woman now. <laughs> That's like, yep. damn, y'all talking about my coochie. <laughs> like, like, what? And it definitely, and tampons were not a thing either. My mom strongly felt, and I, I think even still feels like tampons are for, you know, young women who are sexually active. That's like a, after you have <laughs> sex. I mean, and, and, yeah. it, and I know a lot of people who feel that way, but I, and I always, I always had a, a regular, I mean, a very heavy period. I've shared, you know, I have PCOS and I wasn't diagnosed with that until like maybe 21 but it was always heavy and I have fibroids as well, but it's like, you know, in hindsight, like I'm talking about like a big old tampon, a, a mattress pad. And it's yeah. like, girl, do you know how many accidents I could have avoided? Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. like girl in high school, being embarrassed, you know, with a whole change of clothes, like you changing in between classes. <laughs> this, it, it didn't have to be like that. 
I'm tripping off the mattress pad. Girl. Every time you, you have to do like that. Every this, time you say it, I think of an actual mattress pad. Because they're so thick. It's so big. Yeah. So big. Okay, so let's uh, let's bring it back a little bit in terms of talking about, okay, when you start puberty, right? Like, so for most, in the United States, there are most young girls are going to go through menopause at menopause. Good Lord. Not menopause. No, ma'am. Puberty, Mm -hmm. puberty, somewhere between the ages on average between nine and 12 and 13. And Mm -hmm. for black and brown girls, they go through puberty even a little bit earlier than that, sometimes around eight. Mm-hmm. And then for boys, it's somewhere between um, about nine to 10 and 12 and 14 when they go f- through puberty. And so certain, Dr. J, you, were, you alluded to, there are certain things that kind of are common throughout everybody. You right. know, everybody's breast tends to grow. Um, everybody starts developing pubic hair. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like- Underarm hair. Underarm hair, yep. But I yeah. feel like for, at least for young girls, I feel like the focus is on the bleeding, which tends to be for, for girls, the last part of puberty, that's the very, yeah. very end of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that we have all shared that we don't have a discussion until we start bleeding, but so much stuff has happened before then mm-hmm. right. that, that usually requires a discussion. Balance, at least your mama told you about a bra. I feel like I just woke up one day, we went shopping and I didn't think nothing had happened. Mm. And it was like, now you're wearing bras. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. When we think, like I think about, you know, uh, as boys go through puberty, because we obviously as three women, we focus a lot on what, you know, girls go through, what women go through. But I think it's interesting, you know, that um, we kind of tend to talk about boys going through puberty. They may get one hair on their chin and all of a sudden, oh my God, I got a whole beard I need to shave. Or they start maybe smelling a little stronger than they had in previous years. The voice Um, changes. The voice changes. They might get, you know, that one or two hairs um, on their testicles or, you know, things like that. But then they tend to focus on, okay, now I'm building muscle, I'm exercising, I'm, you know, walking around with a dumbbell in my hand or whatever, versus girls becoming much more modest and um, focusing more inward on how they're presenting themselves to the world, or at least through those conversations. It, It appears that we see more conversations on, you know, you're a woman now. So what does that mean? Um, do these things like you used to, or, you know, you need to pay closer attention to these things versus boys that, you know, all of their changes are more external. Um, so we tend to focus more on the, the external attributes and, and conversations. Would you all agree with that? I feel like it's more like, you know, when boys go through puberty, it's almost like a tiny bit of a celebration, right? Mm. Like they have, they got their hair, their voice is changing. It's getting deeper. And they're like, okay, now we demand things, you know, now we, you know, you're the man of the house now and all of that. And I think it, it's more of a positive experience where like mm. for women, like you said, for Thanks. girls, it's okay. Now don't wear this. Now don't do this. Now don't say this. Now cover this up. Now you know, do all of that because you're supposed to be a sh- kind of, not even ashamed is the right word, but you are you're not supposed to let people know mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of people. I mean, you know, Valenay's all, all her mama friends knew. I'm sure mine too. Right, 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 right. Um, 
but I, I think it's a, it's a way that we, um, start, we start the process of sexual shame because we, we take mm. that very, um, normal part of growth mm-hmm. and turn it into a very, in, into a very negative experience for some, because we're telling, we're telling young girls, make sure that no one knows. Like, I don't know. I, I imagine you guys have had the same experience. I remember my mom being like, okay, you should only wear pads, not tampons, because pads have those, they used to have those scents in them. Cause you want a massive scent. You don't want nobody to know, right? Which everybody knew what that scent was. So yeah. you know what? The, the masking like butterflies and glitter. Oh, she on her period. That, that's so that's so interesting too with the, the masking because I didn't even think about you know the, the shame and like I didn't really start carrying your purse until I started my period because that's when you started carrying your purse so when you, you could you could put all your mattresses in your in your purse so when you only carried your purse when your period was on and then you took your purse to the bathroom yep. you know then you wanted to make sure you had what you needed in there um yeah that's just but- so interesting do you all remember the episode of the Cosby show when Rudy got her period? Yes. And Claire, you know, was trying to, she, she had celebrated it with the other two, with the other three girls. And, and Rudy was just like, not trying to have it, wasn't a part of it at all. And, you know, it's just like, it's woman's day and you can do whatever you want. And she was just like, can you just leave me in my room? Yeah. Like, okay, when is this going to be over? Can we never it again yeah it's just crazy it's it's I, I think there's a huge difference in the way that it is and it is discussed when it mm-hmm. comes to those things but since and we've talked a little bit about feminine hygiene products you've already gone on a little bit of a rant about the women's text and the stuff that's supposed to smell like popsicles and um yeah candy mm-hmm. but <laughs> So if you have, so Dr. J, because this is your specialty, because we know you had, you be mm-hmm. having the talks with mm-hmm. them. Okay, okay, come on, drop them gems. Mm. So when you have, like, if you have a young, if you have a young kid that's, that's going through puberty or starting to go through puberty, how, as a parent, as a new parent, especially, how would you go about having that talk? Or is there a certain, like, or do you, how, when do you start? Do you start before they start? Showing right. signs of puberty, like how do you go about? Okay, we're here now. What do we do? Right. That's you and know, be- before you answer that, I like that you. I like this conversation we're having because I feel like a lot of parents, like for me, I feel like a lot of parents are asking me this question, and a lot of parents feel like I don't want to bring it up until it's a thing, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like it's a thing because it's a part of life, you know. Right. But I feel like a lot of people are sort of they kind of want to know like when to jump in like you know if something happens then you know we talk about like teachable moments especially with like sexual health but you know is there is do you wait for a teachable moment or do you create a moment to normalize conversations about sexual health and puberty and stuff like that you know um so as as a parent I will say I did a combination of both um, as an educator, I say you have to create an environment that is conducive to having those conversations in an ongoing manner, always. So my daughters are four years apart. And I will never forget, like I have had 
conversations about the way our bodies work, using proper terminology. You guys know I'm like, that's a pet peeve of mine, you know, calling body parts other names because uh, it's embarrassing to be able to say the word penis. Yo, wee wee. Over. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember that I've, I've had ongoing conversations with my daughters, but I remember the the year my oldest daughter was getting close and I was just like, yeah, I just got a feeling it's coming. And so we had had conversations. We had been shopping together. So she purchased and those kind of things when the time came and I had to go out of the country for work. And that was mother nature's time to make her start her period. And I will, of course I'm not here, you know, but conversations and she knew what to ask for um we had them in the house kind of thing but her sister who's four years younger and I hadn't really had a conversation about periods necessary um but because the older daughter was going through it when I got back in town the younger sister had you know tons of questions like what happened why was you know, like all investigative and everything. So, you know, we had the conversation and she wanted to see him and feel him and touch him and all this and put a mattress in her panties. (laughs) 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 So we had the whole conversation about sanitary napkins and tampons and, you know, allowing them to choose the appropriateness of using them. But when it comes to other body changes, like your breast growing, hair and body odors changing um, and just being able to have good hygiene and being able to recognize um, changes in your body has been an ongoing conversation. But I think as they get older, obviously the conversation needs to advance. Um, And there are things that just girls and boys in general um, need to know before they're faced with the, with the situation in front of them. So to kind of answer your question, like, I think the conversation needs to be ongoing, but we as parents and guardians um, and uh, safe authorities, need to create a, an environment where young people feel comfortable coming to us with those questions. So I had a recent situation where um, a high schooler reached out to me with a question because she knew what I did. And, you know, we had a text exchange and then she was just like, can I just please call you? And of course, you know, I, my, and my phone number is you know, on the website, if you, you know, shameless plug at drjsperkins.com. Okay, um, all right. Or Instagram at drjsperkins. Okay, like, share, follow. Go ahead. Like, <laughs> you know, leave. But I think that we need to create natural and organic and meaningful conversations. If you're in the store and, you know, you pass the condom aisle, talk about condoms if it's appropriate for the age that you're dealing with. If you're in the store and boy or girl, because, you know, we do a lot about boys not knowing enough about girls' bodies and not knowing enough. I mean, normalized periods, first of all, um, for boys and for girls, because we don't live in this world alone. Um, and we just need to, to always create those environments and take the 
opportunity to have those conversations in a natural and organic, like we don't need to always have like a big sit down, a big powwow. Um, but when you're just out living, those things come up. Um, even if you see somebody that's pregnant, you know, little kid, how did the baby get in there? You know, at three or four may not be the most appropriate time to give the mechanics and the science behind how to have a baby, but it's an opportunity for you to talk about response, you know, being responsible and those type of things. So I think we have to keep it in our mind that it's not a one and done, that it's an ongoing conversation. So I'm going to say something and you tell me because we, we, you guys have both said this before and I'm going to, um, you tell me what you think. We've talked a lot about periods, right. And using our mattress pads, which I just, mattress pads versus tampons. And I, mm-hmm. based on talking to a lot of patients and parents, I, and especially black and brown patients and parents, I think there is a huge component of sexual shame in when talking about tampons because Because exactly and I was just gonna say I think because I didn't even know tampons existed until I went into college Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was even an option and I and it sounds like they you guys too felt you guys were you guys were given pads and that tampons were not considered a thing and I wonder how much of that is related to sexual shame and 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 trying to deflect away from what's happening to your body because mm-hmm. right with tampons you have to place them inside your body you have to touch yourself to be able to do that um and I don't know how many parents or at least my own I'll say that I'll speak for my own my own I don't know that my mother was comfortable being like okay this is a tampon and this is where you put it let me show you how to do it um because that implies a certain level of um maturity but also a certain level of comfort with her body exactly and that's and that's exactly what I was gonna say because we are I mean I am the oldest of of our trio here um but our parents are of a particular age where their mother probably didn't have that conversation with them a because tampons weren't around you know they were using sanitary napkins or rolled up cloth that you pin to the end of your underwear which I'm sure somebody's gonna listen to be like what you had to do what and wash it out oh my god um, so I think as technology and the things that we use advance we do not always um that information does not always trickle down to the end user and not a beginning user so our mothers were well into having periods and they weren't thinking about other things and they were adults for the most part um so not having ever used a tampon themselves it's a comfort of well I can't tell you how to use it because I never have so it must be bad mm-hmm. um and then you add in the component of shame and you know I'm not comfortable touching myself so I'm sure as heck not gonna be comfortable touching you and showing you but I didn't know about I mean I knew what tampons were but I didn't know how to use tampons until I was a freshman in college and I was taking swimming Mm -hmm. and I will never forget my um friend at the time was like I'm gonna show you how to do it and I was just like uh no you weren't 
So she was just like, okay, I'm going to walk you through it. And she walked me through it. And I was just bleeding everywhere. She was like, well, did you take the cardboard off? I was like, was that a step? <laughs> you know what? You know what? I missed that step. You didn't say that. <laughs> I went through a whole box. I didn't start until college. And I went through a whole box in the bathroom. I would never forget. And you think about like now as like a woman, but a sex educator, like I think about like knowing the difference between the vulva and the vagina. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and being able to say that to somebody and be able to tell somebody that's younger than you or less educated than you where to put it which is why having the correct name from the very beginning is important because you know the 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 average person just says vagina and just all them parts all the the women have vaginas well that's it or that hole or yep is the what the hole supposed to look yeah, like? Right, right. When did so, you learn? You know where you pee at is not. You know where oh, you from, not where the tampon goes in. I mean, it's like stuff like that that yeah, like sometimes I forget. I once didn't know that, and you yeah, think about yeah. how many people still don't know that. And I'm also thinking about like with the tampons being tied to like sexual activity and mm-hmm. the sexual shame. Like how much of the you know the anti-tamponism is related to the whole belief of like you know hymens and virginity mm-hmm. and purity and all yeah. that stuff now you're not even you didn't have your period and you're not even a virgin anymore okay all right to a people of a particular age you know i don't believe in virginity you don't lose anything you have a sexual mm-hmm. debut mm-hmm. But it's, it, it's true i i i teach classes now and you'd be surprised the number of grown adult women. And when I mean grown, I mean grown 40, 50, 60 year olds Mm -hmm. have never looked at their own vaginas, let alone a picture of one. They've never heard the word vulva. They've never Mm -hmm. heard. They know that they don't, they know that their parts are different from a man in that they don't pee and, and bleed out of the same hole. But could they tell you the name of the hole? Could they tell you where it's attached? They can't. It's a, it's amazing. And when I tell women, you should take a mirror and know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Because at, even yep. if you never, ever look at it again, at least if you come to me and say something's wrong with it, and I ask you a question, how long has this been going on? You can't just say, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've never seen it before. Like, so on on periods but if you think about it you know using sanitary napkins a lot of women felt like i bleed out the same hole that i urinate and so i mean you know when we we think about that um just the idea of a difference in discharge for men and women for boys and girls um I think nope. the universe keeps speaking to us through this podcast because I, what I'm hearing is we need after our team summit or part of it. I don't know, but what I'm hearing you ladies say is that we need a we need an anatomy lesson like A and P for yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's what I I just heard you guys say that because we, we didn't know it, you know, from OBGYN. I mean, just like three black women who've been through puberty in our own interpersonal experiences but as sexual health educators OBGYN saying people don't know they they have no idea you know public health you seeing this thing people coming to me because it's a problem <laughs> you know like <laughs> there's some kind of problem that they didn't talk to about with one of y'all you know at school and you know at the doctor 
And, but I do think one thing that I think is a positive though, from, you know, from what I've seen is like a lot of parents not being so absolute with stuff. And I like that parents come to me with the question, like, okay, right. I think my kid thinks they're gay. I think even that, even though, you know, some people, you know, the wording, the language can be problematic depending on where you sit. But I think parents even, because I, I know there was a time like, okay, you ain't gay. You know, we're going to move on from that. You know, whatever you, you're going to pray about it. You're going to go outside. You're going to do whatever. And that's it. So I think even a lot of the times when, when teens and or their parents are coming to me talking about exploration, talking about gender identity, you mm-hmm. know, talking about pronouns, you know, um to me it's like I'm like yes you know like yeah. there's mm-hmm. so much so, so much potential that can come from just even saying like what do we do what do we read what do I like how do I I don't want to get this yeah and you know and a lot of parents are like I you know I don't I don't care what my kid is I don't want my kid to you know die or you know whatever I just want them to know I love them unconditionally but I don't know how to navigate this at all and so like for me it's like that's a win because it, like those families to me it's like okay this is this is there's potential here. So anyway, I just, the universe was saying that we are having a, this is sex A&P lesson. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I also, you brought up a good point um, because we, we hear a lot. We see a lot in the media about um, gender identity and sexual exploration and a lot of parents just throw their hands up and say well I don't know what's wrong with them I don't I don't know how to have this conversation this is different this is this is not something that I am comfortable with or I understand but I saw a a, a meme the other day that said what um what are you going to do if your kid comes out heterosexual and so they just kind of reversed the script of Mm -hmm. if um if heterosexuals had to actually come out, you know, um, like we see in the LGBTQIA community. Um, And it really kind of hit home and made me kind of chuckle to myself because we do live in a very heteronormative world, um, particularly in this country. And um, there needs to be more dialogue and more conversation around um, healthy exploration, healthy relationships and, um, understanding what you're feeling and acknowledging what you're feeling as opposed to just saying, well, no, you don't feel that or you can't possibly feel that or what did I go wrong? You know, did I love my kid too hard because they're, you know, a lesbian or because they're, you know, gay or so I, I think that you bring up a really good point with that. I have a, I had a, um, a, friend of mine who um, told me that her seven-year-old daughter found her clitoris and came out the shower and was like, mommy, I found something. Um, And I remember she called me and she was like, I don't, what do you say? Like, what am I, I didn't know what to say. So I just, I just looked at her and called you. And I said, you go in there and you tell her what it's used for. Mm-hmm. And you tell her, you know, this, you know, this is what it's used for and you can touch it if you want. Mm-hmm. You touch in the bathtub or wherever. Don't touch it in public if you can help it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, and make, you know. to make it normal so that she doesn't grow up thinking, okay, 
I'm never supposed to touch it. I'm never supposed to look at it. I'm not supposed to know it's there because that, that ends up being an issue when she's an adult and she can't have an orgasm or she can't have a, you know, have satisfying sex with another person because she's been taught since she was seven that she's not supposed to know it even exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it made me think very similar to what Valenay was saying that just it's, it's nice to see that those conversations are happening or that it's not just shut down and oh, can you believe my child did this? And I, girl, I told her to leave it alone. You know, it was, it's not that. It's very much a, okay, well now what do I do? How do I navigate this in the right way? And I think that's one I think I can say about, you know, us millennials is that we're doing our best to try and get it right <laughs> um, when it comes to that aspect of our health. So, I mean, you know, it's just, just like with puberty. And, and I think now too, there are a bunch of different ways to deal with it. I know um, I have a 12 year old nephew and my sister brought him, it's called, I think it's called like the big book for boys. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a book that goes over puberty, everything from pubic hair to masturbation mm-hmm. um, and the, and the emergence of uh, sperm and just all of this really great scientifically sound, medically sound stuff, mm-hmm. but in a way that it like it's in cartoon characters, like in, in cartoon drawings, like in a way that is very approachable for kids. So even if you don't have a Dr. J near you, that can tell you how to have this conversation or talk or help you have this conversation. There are ways now I imagine with YouTube videos and podcasts Mm -hmm. like ours and um, stuff where you can get information on how to start. Right. I think that's the hardest thing is trying to figure out when you have kids is how to start, Mm -hmm. especially when you're uncomfortable. There's just so much access, like, like, your kids will learn about puberty from their own personal experiences, but with social media and the World Wide Web, you know, yeah. they're going to learn. So if you can, you know, uh, like how Dr. J was saying, like creating that environment where you can have the ongoing conversations and your your team knows that like okay like even if it's something that they hear or read or see like you want them to be able to come to you like mom you know so-and-so on youtube said you know like is that true you know Mm -hmm. and then at at least you're having that connection where you can be like heck no you know like let me show you this is sex podcast because they were actually saying you know and one of them is a doctor you know what i'm saying because like they're going to get the information anyway for me it was like my sexually active friends and then whatever I heard, which are the worst my sexually active friends. Oh and my gosh. I learned from the class at school when they separated us. And then um, anything that I read from like an encyclopedia, but truth be told, it was really Sister Soldier and Eric Jerome Dickey, mm-hmm. um, the Sex Chronicles. That's what I was reading. So that's how I was learning about different things too. So, you know, but, but now. You, but at least you have the ability, you were re- at least reading books. Like sometimes the stuff that I hear from people or from young, from young girls or young women I'm seeing is that they're learning about, you know, and we've talked, we've, and you, we've talked about this, learning about squirting. They've learned about what normal sex is supposed to look like, what the discharge is supposed to look like from their 15, 16 year old friends who learned it from somebody else's 16 year old friends with mm-hmm. no, like, just no, oh, you can get pregnant on your period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just stuff that you're like, okay. But I mean, if we're not from an adult, adult standpoint, don't make sense. If adults are scared, you yes. know, 
and they they're talking to each other then they got they're trying to get the information from somewhere it's just you want them to get medically accurate (laughs) medically accurate information that they can then use to to make appropriate decisions and And we now know that we can't rely on the schools to necessarily do that so it has to come from the parents yeah you know and i did back in december um i did uh a webinar about that and it's we can't just leave it up to the schools because that varies from state to state and we already know how what is it we're up to 26 states now that require medically medically accurate or any form of sexual health education in public schools and then we can't leave it up to necessarily the parents because parents may or may not be comfortable discussing certain things it may be out of their um comfort zone out of their knowledge base and then we can't really leave it up to healthcare providers because we still have some very not everybody has a Dr. Clay we still have very judgmental healthcare providers when we talk about adolescent sexual health as if that's you know something that they frown upon it's a bad thing but I think collectively those three working together the likelihood of medically accurate, comprehensive sexual health education has a much better chance of thriving, which I think is why the three of us work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just think, right. I, I mean, I, I was telling this to a, a parent a couple of days ago, if you think about it, right. Like your kid is going to find out this information somewhere, most likely on the internet, right. Or on social media and those mm-hmm. same places you can go and get accurate information. The difference being that you can discern what's accurate and what's appropriate and your kid cannot. And yeah. so it's it's an excuse to me to be, oh, I don't know where to get the information from now, right? Like, cause you can find it. If you can't find, if you don't feel comfortable looking for it or you don't feel comfortable discussing it, there are lots of Dr. J's. And if there isn't, there's at least one of her. Yeah, J.S. Perkins, right? It's Dr. J.S. Perkins. There's at least somebody who can walk you through. Okay, this is this might be the most appropriate way for you to have this discussion with your kid. Um, so I just don't, I, I don't, I want people to know that they have. There are resources out there. If you can't find them on any of our, all of our websites are going to link each other stuff. So if you can't, exactly. if you can't find us through this is through. through this is sex podcast. You can find us through somewhere, but um, the same place that your kid is getting the information, you can also get it. But you know what? I think you know, Doctor Clay, you just hit it on the hit the nail on the head. But that's why I love us because, like, I love us, and I know that a lot, like my friends who are reaching out, you know, they, you know, well, that I know if you don't know, you're gonna point me in the right direction. And so, I mean, us having this like interdisciplinary friendship, girl power, sex educator, whatever, you know, I think like our community like when we do kind of work through stigma and all of that stuff it's like we got to feel safe enough to be like what the hell do I do you know and for that like you know there's trust and you know all these things systemically that might be other barriers for us reaching out to the Dr. J's out there from um you know other other walks of life and other backgrounds but I think that's why it's so important to have you know trusted professional 
black people that you can reach out to just on a hey girl I know you you gonna know or you gonna point me in the right direction or you know like my, my friend hit me up um a few weeks ago and asked me did I watch the little Nas X video and what did I think as a clinician and you know and I thought that was so interesting because y'all know how my life is juxtaposed you know my yes. professional <laughs> life and my my ratchet shit and right. so she was like okay girl my son was watching this video I need to ask you a question as a as a social worker and I was just like okay Okay, wait a minute. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and you know, I was just like, oh, I haven't watched it, but I have been seeing, you know, things about it, you know. And so it was like all this stuff about homophobia and all that. And I still haven't watched the video, um, but I did, you know, form think, What'd you say? I think you should, and I think that that would be another great topic for us to cover. I, I will. I did. I told her I was going to watch it. And then I just remember seeing some like I seen posts and he was talking about they were taking it off of streaming sites. And I honestly, I got very activated because I was like, I mean, we've talked about music before and this is a whole other tangent, but I'm just like, I mean, you know, I haven't seen the video, so I should, I, I want to reiterate that, but I'm just like, there's a lot in hip hop for people to be upset about, so, um, but anyway, but my friend, like, you know, she just reached out, her son is, I think, 10 or 11, so it's just, like, we, we need those spaces, like, even though she knows, like, I'm with all the wretched stuff and all that, it's like, as a professional, like, you know, she knows, like, okay, boom, I'm asking you this, like, as a mom, I need your professional opinion, and, you know, and so, like, stuff like that, like, we, we need to, to be reachable for each other because like it's so important as a just an access issue and in, in helping us to break those generational things like we've talked about from you know and, and how Dr. Clay said like you know us millennials we out here trying we recognize like you know our trauma and we recognize the gaps and like understanding that our parents like did the best that they could but there we have access to more knowledge more information and we can change things for our kids and, and the youth that like we're serving as their adults you know people now parents <laughs> whatever we are to them for record saying i'm not a millennial because my ass my ass is old so okay well you know in us us adults, us adults. yeah I'm, I'm sorry i just what's you your know, generation x no <laughs> look at that <laughs> you close enough you close enough. just throwing that out there i'm i got a few well, years look, we're so. intergenerational as well okay we need i need to get us a little you know interdisciplinary we, intergenerational we your aunties and we like <laughs> okay. and you just need to be okay. able to talk. we're just talking to you that's all no but it's it's Man. It's it, puberty is is the but I think the bottom line is puberty is not as scary as as people make it think, yeah. and it is a it is a very teachable moment. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, there are a lot. That's kind of the, where the stage can get set in terms of the conversations you can have with your children going forward. Um, what their sex education may look like going forward. I mean, you as the parent have the control to at least start it start it well, <laughs> start it well. Yeah. So, well, I think on that, stay tuned. We will be posting and sharing information about our team summit happening next month in May. It's going down. So, if you have questions, if you're a preteen, teen, young adult, you can DM us. If you're a parent, caregiver, loved one, mentor, uh, coach of young Teach. people, 
exactly hit us up if you have questions comments concerns because we want to create this space to answer them give you our opinions and well give you factual information news you can use so feel free to uh follow and dm and email and all that good stuff you can follow us um each individually we all have our individual instagram accounts um dr J.S. perkins vitality wellness um, what am I, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Erica Aspect? I'm my own shit. So you can follow This Is Sex Podcast Instagram. We've got an um, email address too. This is this is sex podcast at gmail, right? Yes, yes. Um, so you can send us um, stuff through any of those platforms. We want to hear from you guys and figure out exactly what you want us to cover. All right. And I think that does it for this episode of This, this Is 